This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, here on the show, we spend a lot of time talking about long-term care. But what about home care, which is still an essential service and is still happening, but with many additional challenges because of COVID-19? And home care, frankly, is the preferred model for a lot of people. We keep talking to people who are determined to stay in their homes. Vipin Nikor is the Chief Executive Officer at Home Care Hub and the Chief Medical Director at TD Bank Group. And he's come up with a new model for delivering home care. It's called Share Care. And he joins me now to talk about it. Hello, Vip, and thanks for joining us. Hi, Libby. Thank you for having me today. Okay. Well, tell me about your idea for sharing home care. Sure. Happy to, to chat a little bit about it. So Home Care Hub is something we came up with a few uh, years ago, myself and a few other colleagues. And there's a few different parts of our mission, and that's to improve the quality of care and as well to bring down uh, the cost of care and tackle social isolation. So we created a, a home care marketplace, which is sort of like an Expedia for home care, which was our initial offering where we we work currently with around 35 different home care agencies and patients and uh, other customers can look online in a, in a sort of easy-to-view fashion where we have transparent pricing, et cetera. And then the second part is exactly what you had mentioned, share care, where we use those agencies and the power of our network and as well our sort of expertise in technology and generally delivering uh, medical and home care. And what we're doing is we're using, I would say, technology, but not necessarily technology, where we bring people in the same neighborhood uh, together who have similar needs and interests where they can live with each other as an alternative to home care. And we have variations of the model where they come together and we develop adult day programs such as in churches and community centers and other uh, areas that could be in even somebody's house. And they may have, you know, eight to five programming uh, and be able to leave after the day. And there's currently a shortage in both long-term care and retirement homes and uh, adult day programs. So we're hoping to to solve for that crisis. And in the end, it's a a more cost-effective and we believe – a very safe model for seniors to come together. Okay, so, but let's say uh, you are at home with a spouse who needs a lot of care. Sure. Uh, and, you know, you need somebody to come in and do all of those things, uh, you know, to help bathe them and settle them in bed and, and all of that. And the way things work right now, you get a, a, an inadequate number of hours that, that the province provides. Uh, and right now your, your option would be to supplement that and pay for it out of pocket, which as you said, is very expensive. Uh, it's um, I don't know what the average is now. The last time I looked was about 25 bucks an hour. Correct. Correct. So uh, how would your model help somebody in that situation? Yeah, it's a great point. So a couple of things I'd mention is 
our sort of, you know, day program or, or live out model uh, where we bring people on a, uh, where they, they drop, you know, maybe they drop their parents off in the morning and they, they pick them up later in the day. You know, that option won't be for everyone. You know, I, I practice acute medicine. I'm actually at the hospital right now. And a lot of the patients I discharge, they are too acute to be able to, to be mobile, go somewhere else. Uh, the live-in option may be a good option for that person where they actually live with three, four other people as an alternative to a, a long-term care or retirement home, or they could potentially be a host. So if there's space in their home and they're willing to host the day program, that we accept hosts who live somewhere so they don't have to actually travel, and then four or five other people, neighbors potentially, uh, could come and uh, have the programming held at their house. So do you have to live together to do that? I know that uh, in informal ways that has become more popular where you have people who are not related, buying homes together, living together. But do you have to actually live together? I mean, if your next door neighbors say, how could that work if everybody stays in their own place? Correct. Correct. So we could have it where they actually live together or they could uh, just go there in the morning and and, uh, be dropped off in the evening, or we could even have the same caregiver take care of both of them, say they live beside each other. And, you know, one example is that you know, we had uh, two uh, patients who both had, uh, you know, they were taking care of, I'm sorry, the parents were taking care of their autistic children. They lived nearby each other, and we were able to connect them so that they could actually share services, and one dropped uh, the other off uh, in the morning the other, they would sort of take turns. So we're able to sort of connect and using our technology, we have a really strong technology team that we're trying to develop this in a scalable fashion so that this really is a new model of care around the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, is a, there are a lot of uh, older people who say, I don't want to deal with technology. Is that an issue? Or are you looking at a different generation of people who are just getting to be older? Yeah, great question. It's really not an issue at all. Uh, We have, you know, having been in healthcare for a very long time now and working with patients and even in the healthcare system, I've seen so many technology solutions fail where people don't fully understand the user experience or workflow of patients or providers. So we've really developed this uh, with a very high level of service. So even when people call, we have geriatric social workers and we're out there to help anyone, right? We have, uh, we'll help guide them. We have a free seniors chat line uh, that calls for guidance with their geriatric social worker is free. We're just, we see a lot of gaps in the industry. We're just out here to help and solve problems as much as we can. So those geriatric social workers will help do and, and manage all that technology. So it's not just we built this technology and now we're disappearing. No, we're providing all the support needed for patients to help them through their journey. So it's like a navigation thing. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Our, they're really, we actually would call them community care navigators, our, uh, our geriatric social workers uh, who are helping. You talk about lowering the cost. Do you have an estimate, like by what percentage can you lower the costs? And, and is this the kind of model that the province is interested in supporting? Yeah, I'd love to get the province uh, interested in supporting this. And in fact, I'd love to get all provinces and in, in states uh, as we uh, sort of getting ready to launch in the United States as well uh, to support this model because there's simply uh, not enough long-term care and retirement homes available to, uh, to, to to patients in our population. And as our 
population ages. We need to have creative solutions. So we believe that this is one of them. And especially the fact that people, we know people want to live in their name, same neighborhood, even if they can't live in their same home, maybe they can live just nearby their, their, their children or other loved ones or where they have been the last 10 to 20 years. And we want to enable that. So, you know, from a costing perspective, we have a variety of ranges. We can sort of, because this is sort of a just-in-time model that we are creating, we can create one that is a little more expensive, or we can create some that are a little less expensive. So, you know, a day program, for instance, we can probably bring down, again, it depends on the cost for space in that area, et cetera, uh, it could bring it down to, say, $50 a day, right, for, you know, a seven-hour day, or it might be a little over $100 a day, depending on uh, the different variables. And then, for the live-in program, they would be comparable to, uh, you know, the, the price that people are paying at a retirement home. It's, it's one of those situations, I'd actually say it's, it's cheaper, and I can't put an exact number on it because it depends if they're sharing with one other person or five other people. So they could see, you know, a 20% a drop compared to a retirement home. And a lot of it's frame of reference too, right? If someone's getting 24-7 care on their own, we can significantly bring down the cost if we can get them in one of these models uh, to, to save the family a lot of money. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you say there's not enough space in retirement homes or in long-term care homes, but one of the upshots of the pandemic is that there are a lot of people who are not quite there yet who are bound and determined never to have to go into long-term care. 100%. And, and you know, I see this all the time at the hospital uh, I'll probably discharge two patients today who, with that exact same uh, sort of attitude or the way they sentiment, I should say. So we think that this is a really good uh, situation where a good option for them where they can go somewhere and have the care that they need and, and families can know that they're supported while still not feeling like they're in a little bit of sort of an institution. And actually, when I was a medical student, I... I remember one of my first patients that was down in Chicago at the VA, and he was just adamant that he would never go to a nursing home, he had said. Um, and I had to really, I spent probably an hour trying to convince him, uh, you know, that it's really, you know, looking at a rehab, and I was trying to reframe it. And some people just have that stigma in, in their head. And it's unfortunate because, you know, not, you know, there are some excellent nursing homes, um, and I do encourage a lot of patients to go there often, but we do think that we've developed something that is uh, quite friendly and uh, amenable for, for patients. Dr. Nakor, how has COVID complicated the whole situation? Yeah, it's an excellent question. And obviously what we've seen in the news has been tragic in terms of, uh, you know, obviously the, the deaths and the illness we've seen in the homes. And I think uh, for one when you look at the hospitals, it's, it's created challenges already in a difficult sort of discharge environment as we're trying to have, uh, you know, we don't have enough spaces as it was. And now uh, there's even more people who are, are frightened to go to long-term care. Um, and obviously we have an increased inflow of, you know, potential patients, COVID-19 patients. So it has caused strain in that way. Um, I, I'd say at all different layers, of course, in home care, we've seen, even a lot of home care agencies struggle during this time because of fear of having home care workers come in, particularly early in the pandemic. We've seen long-term care and uh, retirement home 
in terms of their uh, the number of care workers drop. There's obviously part of that is due to regulations where they can't work anywhere else, and there's already challenges from that sourcing perspective. Um, in fact, you know, there's been other doctors. Myself, I've had to go in and just help out wherever I could, even non-doctor responsibilities, just to help in outbreaks and pandemics. So uh, it's it's caused a lot of strain. And, and I think it's exposed, as many people know, many of the the weaknesses that were in many long-term care uh, homes and in our system before. And I, I think uh, we're going to pave a, a better way forward through this, though. In terms of home care, though, are people getting all the hours they're supposed to get, or are there difficulties and challenges? I mean, I'm sure that home care workers, like everyone else, they have more uh, sanitizing and cleaning rules, and now uh, personal support workers in long-term care can only work one place, but by its nature, home care workers work in in more than one. Correct, and that's caused... Uh, real challenges because now people are assigned to a home and they used to see their two or three clients on the side and now they can't do that anymore. So there's been uh, a shortage for people who need them. There's been uh, some care workers who have to take care of children. We see that a lot uh, with with people being pulled from different schools and different complications around that and getting childcare, et cetera. So all of this has led to a shortage of workers and also sometimes where there's care workers who want home, I'm sorry, want to give care and aren't able to provide that because their their old client maybe didn't want, doesn't want to uh, have someone come in. So there's a bit of a mismatch now, uh, which has make it, made it very, uh, very challenging. We've seen a little bit of a pickup in the last little bit. I think people are a little bit more comfortable with the virus and we've learned a lot. We know that, you know, through certain measures and protocols, we can, we can be relatively safe, right? We have COVID wards here, uh, at the hospital, other doctors who see uh, many different COVID patients, and for the most part, people do uh, quite well and can remain safe. So we've learned a lot, so I think there's more comfort than there there used to be, but uh, certainly has caused many challenges in the home care space uh, as well. So how have you coped with the shortages in the work that you do? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. Uh, one of Because we work as an aggregator, or marketplace where we work with several different homes, we've actually been able to support in other areas where uh, it, whether it be long-term care, retirement home, or people's homes where people can't find any other care workers, but they come to us and because we have a widespread, we've been able to source and find find them people because we, we work with so many different care providers instead of them having to call 30 different home care agencies to find out if they can find a suitable worker, they can go through us. Uh, and actually, we're seeing the strength of our model. And we, we vet every agency. We, they go through a quality care process. Uh, so, so I think it, it's actually been, uh, our model has been helpful uh, for many people. And give me an idea. So uh, on average, how many homes would a home care worker work in? That's a really good question. So, and it's a it's a complicated question too because for public agencies that work in the public system, they're often going to one uh, one house at a time. They might go in for you know, two hours to one house, have barely enough time to get over to another house, um, be there for two hours. They may see you know four or five clients uh, more. Sometimes there's programs that allow for even one hour a day. 
you know, up to 10 clients they might see, right? Uh, and the LINs have a, a better sense of the exact numbers on that. So uh, how would you, how would you keep a person like that tested? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of them, that, that there are people receiving care who's saying no thanks. Yeah, in, in early on, in, in, there was a lot of challenges with this, and even now. So, there, uh, as far as I understand, the LINs are not um, having the same number of people. There's not as many exposures. I don't have all the details on on how they're providing care, um, but they have decreased the number of exposures per person that someone's uh, exposed to uh, within the LINs. Um, now, outside of the LIN, generally, you know, people usually only get care privately two, three, four hours at a time. So there already were fewer exposures. And now it's usually family-based. A lot of families will say, I don't want um, my care worker working anywhere else. That causes strain on that care worker because they need enough hours to support their families. So it has caused uh, a lot of complications um, in that system. Yeah. What we're seeing is every two weeks is what, uh, how often care workers in long-term care are getting tested um, as sort of a guideline. But again, to some extent, that's, I don't want to see arbitrary, you know, uh, testing strategies is something I could probably talk uh, for a very long time uh, about, but, you know, there's no rhyme or there's no sort of perfect answer. If you could test everyone every day with a continuous monitor where you don't have to poke anyone, that's your ideal world, but obviously that doesn't exist. And They, they changed the model in long-term care yesterday, by the way, to once a week. I mean, I don't know. Once what... a week. Yeah, I know that was coming, so it's actually gone uh, official yesterday, and that's... Uh, I don't I mean, know I if it's implemented, it. but they've they've changed it. Let's take a call from Helen in Toronto. Hi, Helen. Hi, Libby. Uh, this all sounds fine and dandy, but knowing from practical experience, uh, we can put five people in a home. They can all be, uh, or a center or um, a room of some sort, they can all be at a compatible level at that time and at a, uh, to a certain extent self-reliant. Now, these people don't stay in the same place. They move, whether it be physical or mental. What happens when all five of your people are needing more care in different directions, i.e., somebody who just had a physical problem has now got a mental problem to go along with it, or the other way around, somebody who was put in with some dementia. My mother went in, she was walking and talking and everything, and now she's in a wheelchair. So you've got these people to deal with. Um, what are you going to do as they age and their bodies change? That's a wonderful insight and question. And one thing I would say is we admit this is not an easy undertaking that we're uh, attempting uh, it's a really hard model. Other pe- other models where they bring people together, they're not often working with those who are dependent. And we are focused on those who are dependent on others or have some level of dependency. So we know it's really hard. Um, we understand if there's one or two people who maybe are not suitable for that location, it may cause the cost to rise, right? So sort of by having a little bit of a sliding scale from that standpoint, if there's multiple people, it may require more caregivers to go and take care of that group of people. Um, so I think keeping a flexible model is very important. And, yeah, sometimes people will just not be suitable for that place anymore. We'll have to try to find someone uh, new in there. And that's why by us having you know, technology, being able to reach large groups of people through our site and having strong partnerships with many organizations that we've started to build, uh, we can find that right match to um, 
to replace the, the appropriate per- with an appropriate person. Are you by any chance thinking of having uh, Group A who goes to this level and Group B who it requires uh, personal feeding or may require um, incontinent uh, care? Are you? Do you have a tiered system? Like today, we're taking you into here, but next week or next year, we may have to move you to the group in this area because they've got the staff and facilities to handle it. 100%. Once we can get in a volume of spaces and people in this model, we certainly believe we can do that. Um, and that's, that's ideal, right? Even when you look at how we discharge people, some you know, units are pure behavioral units, and there's certainly not enough here in the province by any means. Um, so it's a similar concept. Um, if the care needs change and they have to go to a different place, if the family is okay with it, hopefully there's another home just, you know, a five, you know, a, a two, three-minute drive away or whatever it might be, and they can uh, be placed in that uh, other suitable uh, environment. So you're, are you looking for people who are both at the same level and ability in other words, they can play dominoes and they can sit and think or eat independently. Are you looking at people the same in each cluster? Yes, yes. The, the more of a match in terms of their needs, that's, that is uh, important. Now, early on when there's, you know, we're starting out a newer model, the volume obviously won't be there, right? So we aren't right. going to be able to do matches, you know, exactly. We'll have to say, hey, you know, it's, it's still a better match than some of the other situations we're seeing right now. But as volumes go up, the, the, the better matching we can do. Helen, yeah. Helen, thanks mm-hmm. for your call. Take care. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Some uh, very detailed questions. Um, it's a very interesting concept. Dr. Nakor, what would you like to leave us with? Well, I, I, first, I, I'd love for everyone to stay safe and everyone to, you know, hopefully is able to cope through this pandemic and, and realize we're going to get through this and it is going to get better. And that if we practice certain measures through COVID-19, we can be safe and we can we can guard ourselves against that. Against that. And I don't want people to feel anxiety through this, this is a short period of time and uh, want us to, to feel calm. So that's, that's my first sort of uh, announcement. My second part is, you know, we hope people will consider this model uh, of care. And if people want to participate as a host or even as a participant in our, our, our new model of care, we would love to hear that. We hear from them. If it's a day program or evening overnight program. And anyone who needs, of course, regular home care uh, as well. Through our marketplace, we've been able to help a lot of different people. Uh, in our phone number, one triple eight two two seven three zero eight zero. Um, and uh, we can always be reached at info at homecarehub.com uh, as well. Okay. Uh, again, very interesting concept. Thank you so much, Dr. Vipin Nakor. Thank you so much for having me today, Libby. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. People, Free For All Friday is coming up tomorrow. So if you couldn't get through, or I'm sure there'll be uh, all kinds of things happening between now and then, because these days there always are. And uh, we'll be back here for Free For All Friday tomorrow. That's all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. 
heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.